What's up, y'all? You're listening to the Extra Point College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Carnes, joined as always by my co-host, Daniel Hammock. Daniel, we are back for week three. We've got seven more games to pick this week, and I think this week has an underrated card. Like, there's a lot of fun games. Again, I think we started with 12 games that we had to cut back to seven, so hard choices for us, and Hopefully, if you're listening to this podcast, you're college football fans like us. There's some fun matchups this week. There's only three ranked versus ranked matchups. But other than that, some really fun matchups. And we've highlighted a couple underrated matchups and then some ones we know our listeners are going to enjoy. So Cincinnati and Indiana, Michigan State and Miami, Virginia Tech and West Virginia, Alabama and Florida, South Carolina and Georgia, Auburn and Penn State, big one in, in Happy Valley, and then Arizona State and BYU. Daniel, what's a game? This is something we did last year. What's a game we're not picking that you're excited for, my friend? Well, you, you sprung this on me. I did. This was not planned. This is spontaneous. This was not planned I mean, you at go? All. If you've got one in the hopper, I'm sure yeah, I have dude. one that I've been thinking about. Friday night, UCF and Louisville. Heck yeah. <laughs> the Gus bus rolls in to Louisville, Kentucky. It's a Friday night, too. It's like only game on. Uh, UCF is a seven-point favorite on the road with the Gus bus so I'll be honest Gus Malzahn kind of scares me as a favorite but I mean I'm I'm still aboard the Gus bus so right. count me right. in as as a fan of that game uh and then one, one I texted you about North Carolina and Virginia that's Brendan Armstrong has been unbelievable and now it's like North Carolina's kind of been under the radar since that loss week one so hey there's two so, well, you gave me two. I've got two. So, and there, um, one is Me- Memphis hosting Mississippi State. This one's huge because obviously just geographically they're, you know, close. And Memphis is really a hotbed for both Mississippi schools to pull talent um, just because of the proximity. So I think that that's a big Uh, game in and of itself it's a good opportunity for a group of five school to beat a power five school I know I was fading Mississippi State last week with the Mississippi State NC State and Mississippi State really did show up Um, we'll see if they can put that consistently together or if Memphis who's one of those better teams can do it to them you know it's at Memphis so that's super interesting and then one that I thought was really interesting was Tulane Tulane. Yes. <laughs> rolling in. Um, man, I just, first of all, I'm all in on the uniforms, the helmets and all that Heck stuff. Yeah. Color scheme, logo, all of it. So what a great uniform matchup with them and Ole Miss. And I, that would project to be such a fun game, but also just, I love pettiness in this sport and <laughs> Tulane is putting a patch on their helmet for this game that shows their three SEC championships from when they were an original member of this conference from the three from the 1930s. And so, um, you know, we were in the great depression, but Tulane was thriving. All right. And so as three has more Ole Miss won an SEC championship. I don't think the Ole Miss has won one. And I think that's why they're wearing it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that that's what's going on. So anyways, nonetheless, this that that alone will be fun. Um, it's a, a 14 point spread, so you know, take with that what you will. But I, I'm interested to see, uh, you know, Matt Corral and that bunch like play with hey, this is a common opponent with with Oklahoma, 
Oklahoma struggled with them a little bit, you know, the transitive property doesn't always work, but that's something you can measure yourself by. You can say, Hey, they struggled. We didn't, you know, maybe you get a few more notches up when rankings come around here in November. What are you talking about? Transitive property always works in college football. 100% uh, of the time, it works every time. <laughs> uh, well, hey, let's dive in. First game we're going to talk about Cincinnati and Indiana. Cincinnati on the road. They get a power five opponent in the Big Ten. Four-point favorite on the road at Indiana. A team with a lot of high expectations coming into the season. Uh, lose that opener to Iowa. Daniel, where are you going with our first game? Yeah, this before the season, we went through Cincinnati's schedule and said, hey, we think they're still going to be a great team, but they're going to lose two games because they play two Power Five teams, two Big Ten teams. And now that we're here, I don't think that. I think the Cincinnati's going to win this game. They're just the better team. Um, I think their just defense is just something that's going to give Indiana problems over the course of the game. You know, I like Michael Penix Jr. I like, you know, um, Fry Fogel. I like the playmakers that Indiana has, but it is difficult to just go up against this defense the whole the whole game. Meanwhile, Desmond Ritter on the other side, I just have a good feeling that he's going to be efficient like he's been so far this year. Six touchdowns to one interception, already 500 yards of uh, passing, everything like that. Um, he's a guy who's kind of, you know, this is his stage for a breakout year. You know, it's a four-point spread. That's, a, I think, a really good line. So it's right there on right where I feel this game is going to be. Um, so if I get it at three and a half, like I did on some other picks, I'm hammering that with Cincinnati because I think it's about a four-point game. But even at four, I'll still take it, you know, with the worst case being a push. You know, I think that they can uh, win by a touchdown. I just – I don't see Indiana getting in the red zone a whole lot in this game, um, which would, you know, swing me in the favor of uh, Cincinnati. I'm with you. I'm laying the point to Cincinnati. Uh, yards per play, a stat, you know, it's a great stat for how efficient you're being on offense and defense. But on offense, Cincinnati ranks third in the country in yards per play. Indiana ranks 119th. Now, they did play a great defense in Iowa that first week, but – Look, Indiana's a really nice story. Love Tom Allen, you know, LEO, love each other. But Cincinnati's a really good team. They're the better team here. They're averaging six and a half yards a carry, almost 11 yards a pass. I mean, this offense been, has been more efficient, more explosive than last year. And as of right now, this is the best group of five team, and it's likely to stay that way for the rest of the season with the way they've opened up. But I like Cincinnati. I'll lay the four points on the road. And this is something Josh Paytas said. If they run the table, I think there's a chance they can be in the playoff because of how high they started. I know the first playoff rankings haven't come out, but to start in the top 10 and then have the opportunity to go win on the road in the Big Ten and then at Notre Dame, if you do that and go undefeated, it's, you know, you got to yeah. see how everything else shakes out, but you're going to give yourself the best chance of any other group of five team that any other teams I mean, had. Notre Dame has impressive wins over Florida State and – Toledo so hey Toledo's going to the Mac now a resume yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right so both on the same side for Cincinnati land the four points let's go to South Beach well not really let's go to Miami Gardens 
and Michigan State is on the road uh, at Miami Hard Rock Stadium. There's going to be a rocking 25,000 fans there. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I hope they don't pack worry. It out, it's full capacity. But, but uh, so yeah, no Michigan State at Miami. This is is this year two for no, this is year three for Manny Diaz. It's year two for Mel Tucker. But Miami, they had that you know first loss to Alabama. We talked about in the last podcast, you can't let Bama beat you twice. They almost did. So they're six and a half point favorites at home. The line kind of shocked me. Michigan State's looked really good. But where, where are you leaning with this game? This line, I, I think it's right where it needs to be. I think that Miami is the better team. I've been on Miami all offseason, uh, pushing them for, you know, being the, the team that shakes things up in the ACC. Uh, the ACC's look bad to start with, just with every, you know the optics wise. I do think Miami gets back on track with a with a win here, um, but I just I really got to see it um, this week. You know, you and I talked about it a couple times with the you know Bama. They're going to make anybody look bad for the most part, and then that Bama hangover. We're willing to give them the the pass um, for last week and and how they handled that App State game, but. This week, I just think that they've really got to come out and assert their dominance. It's going to be difficult because Don Chaney Jr. is out for the rest of the year out of that backfield. Um, and then I, I just – I'm worried about Cameron Harris having to kind of be the only guy right now while they're working in some of these others um, as as backups at that running back position. The Eric King hasn't looked fantastic, but I don't necessarily think it's his fault. I think that – the receivers that I've been high on haven't really emerged yet. Um, I'm needing to see that over the course of this year. I like Mel Tucker's team at, at Michigan state. I feel like they're kind of embodying what he wants to do. Um, Thorne has been pretty good at quarterback, but I'm really impressed with Kenneth Walker, the transfer from Wake forest. Um, he's averaging like 10 yards a carry right now. So he's got five touchdowns. He's had a good start to the season. He's looked very explosive, which I think is very important for, you know, a, a, you know, Mel Tucker coach team. I think that they, if they have that on offense, I think that they're going to have more than enough defensively as far as strategy and things like that goes. He's a good defensive mind. I'm taking the points. I just don't think Miami right now has proven it to me. Um, even as a Miami guy, um, I just don't think that Miami has proven it to me thus far feel comfortable laying a touchdown basically because it's a six and a half point spread. So I'm going to take Michigan state. I'm going to take these points. We'll see what happens. Um, I'd be happy to be wrong and Miami to blow them out and me to be right basically from what I said at the beginning of the year. But at this point, I'm just going to take these points and kind of, I think that's the safe way to go. This is a pick that I wrote down as Michigan state plus six and a half. Uh, as I said, the line looked off to me and then I unpacked it and I'm like, maybe the line's right. And maybe Miami's even more than six and a half points better, question mark. Uh, and I talked myself into it. And uh, Ransom, I mean, I, I like Miami to win like 30 to 22, somewhere in there. And that gets me at the six and a half. Um, they had a great comeback win against App State. I know that sounds like what you had to come back against App State. That I know what I'm saying sounds weird. But <laughs> uh, number one, App State's a good football team. And – Number two, again, you, you couldn't let Bama beat you twice. You almost did. 
they they're in desperate need of a bounce back game. This can be that get right game, and it'll be it can be against a good team in Michigan State. Michigan State's an excellent run the football. Uh, Northwestern's defense could hardly stop them, and then last week, you know, ran it up against a bad team, you know, to pad some stats. But Miami's roster is better, uh, you know, at this point. Mel Tucker's doing a good job at Michigan State, but I do think this, like Vegas has it right, and the Alex at the line thinking Michigan State has looked like the better team, and it's like, oh yeah, we have to look at who they played. I think everyone has a bad taste in their mouth because it was Alabama, and. Right. Problem is Alabama's going to do that to like 128 other teams. Um, so I I will lay the points in Miami. I think this is a get-right game. Shake off the Bama loss. Get back on track. And this can be a chance to like show that you're the best team in the Coastal. Uh, Virginia Tech kind of has that right now with that win over North Carolina. But, you know, you win this game by 10, and it's like, oh, yeah, Miami's Miami. Like they're still going to be contending yeah. for that top spot in the Coastal because that's an out-of-conference loss to Bama. So no – and, you know, not that this loss would count either for conference, but, you know, still undefeated in the ACC, technically. <laughs> well, these are three great – I mean, I say great, but relative to what we normally see, these are going to be three good out-of-conference games that they will have played. Great so if, if we focus on the, towards the end of the season, let's say they weather this and have a good season, you could look back and say, okay, yeah, they lost to Bama, but so does everybody. They beat a good App State team that's probably going to end up winning several games, maybe 10 games this year. And then if Michigan State's improved and maybe taking a step forward in that Big Ten East, you know, this could be something where you say, you know what, they made it through that stretch and then they handled their business in the Coastal. So you could definitely see that. This next game is the underrated game of the week, in my opinion. Virginia Tech at West Virginia. We got the directional Virginias and a Tech, you know, so – what more can you want in a football game? No, but underrated atmosphere in Morgantown. I mean, West Virginia is going to play host to Virginia Tech. Great out-of-conference matchup. Great regional matchup. And Virginia Tech is a road dog. West Virginia, a three-point favorite at home. Daniel, where are you going with this game? Yeah, so this one, I, I went back and forth a little bit. I I really have been impressed with Braxton uh, Burmeister. Yeah, Braxton Burmeister, these first – um few weeks you know a couple weeks I thought he did you know pretty good job especially against uh North Carolina uh that's the game I got the most you know eyes on he's been their leading rusher so far so that worries me a little bit um I think they need to kind of you know which Hendon Hooker did this um he but he was their second leading rusher you're going to run a lot in this offense with with Fuente um at quarterback so I just need to see a little bit more from them um, West Virginia being at home makes me feel a little, you know, feel a little bit better. I think that home crowd is a really strong crowd. It is a noon kickoff. So that is something to take into consideration when talking about a home crowd, because they would be much more rowdy, obviously later in the day, uh, hey. this type of crowd that gets stronger as the day goes on. <laughs> if you know what I'm saying, as the tailgates flow. So you just got to start them earlier, my friend. Yeah. They just got to start <laughs> earlier. Just don't go to bed Friday night, but, um, you know, I do like I do like Jarrett Daigie at quarterback. I think he's had a good year so far. Um, you know, he's kind of been on 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 plan. Letty Brown was very impressive last year to me. Um, he's already got four touchdowns, so he's getting the ball in the end zone, which is important in red zone offense. You think about uh, the best red zone teams are teams that can run the ball. He doesn't have a ton of rush yards right now, just 104 on the season. 
Um, but I do think that as, as the games play out in the red zone, that's the biggest thing is getting touchdowns rather than field goals. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say, I think West Virginia wins this game. It's three point spread. I'm going to lay those points um, right now. I do think that uh, West Virginia is the better team and they're going to show it on Saturday. Three words, my friend. Wrong team favored. Virginia Tech's better football team. No way, Jose. Uh, I like Virginia Tech to win this game straight up. Um, I like them to win by three in this game. I think it's a close game, but you know that means I'm thinking Virginia Tech's a touchdown better than what Vegas thinks. Um, I get that it's on the road because of a noon kick. Now, West Virginia is an underrated environment. I will give them that. And so, to me, it's almost a pick em here because I think you can give West Virginia three points for being at home. But I think Virginia Tech's a better team. The defense has been very good. Um, the rush offense especially has been very efficient. Uh, I'd be worried if Braxton Burmeister goes down. You mentioned him like leading the team in rushing. I think that can be a good thing. Have to factor in opponent here. West Virginia is yet to be tested. Like, their stats look really, really good when you're playing LIU. I can't even tell you who LIU is. But they won 66 to nothing last week against LIU. Virginia Tech's had that early test against, again, what most people thought was a top 10 team in North Carolina. And I think they go into Morgantown and win on Saturday. Uh, do I trust Justin Fuente? Absolutely not. Uh, does trusting Justin Fuente to go get this done on the road in a spot where I think the wrong team is favored scare me? Absolutely, it does. <laughs> and am I going to regret this come Sunday? We'll see. <laughs> I just might. So I, I think the wrong team's favored. Not going to overthink it. Virginia Tech plus three. Let's go. Is this the first SEC on CBS game of the year? It is. Alabama at Florida. This is a fun one. Uh, Alabama coming in, you know, the point spread went a little bit in Florida's favor at 14 and a half. Uh, excuse me. It's Bama favored by 14 and a half. Let's be clear. <laughs> Alabama well, favored by 14 and, and a half must, on the and road. The picks must have been – the bets must have been flowing to Florida for it to right. lower. Yep. Because it this, was 15 and a half is what it right. opened at. Exactly. So, Alabama, 14 and a half point favorites, 330 CBS, Gainesville, the Swamp. How are you feeling? Yeah, so before the season, you and I were really trying to pick out – you know, we – try to poke holes in everybody's schedule we try to you know especially the elite teams we you know kind of start there we say all right what do we think about this team what you know so when we're talking about Alabama we said who can beat Alabama on their regular season schedule so we really started diving in and we thought you know you really got to get them early and this is a great opportunity to do that Florida does it better than most people with their crowd with the environment the swamp it's a hostile environment. Um, you know, a young, you know, Bryce Young coming in, young QB coming in with only his third start, even though he's looked like a polished professional so far, coming in under under fire. Um, definitely expected this to be maybe the the most losable game for Alabama on their schedule. I still feel like that's probably true because of the other games being somewhat circled or earmarked as, you know, Saban revenge games, things like that, where he just doesn't, you know, like they're not losing Ole Miss this year. As much as Ole Miss wants to play hard against them, yeah, Saban's not letting that happen. So this 
and then you know LSU looks awful now so you know these kinds of things so you're thinking less this is if I was looking at it you know in in the scope of the whole season this is Bama's most losable game I think that this point spread reflects that because anytime you see Bama favored by less than 21 nowadays is very like eye-opening you're like hold on hold on what I gotta see what's going on they started out with Miami they were like a 19 and a half point favorite like come on lay those points that's easy I feel the same way about this. I laid it at 15 and a half. So 14 and a half, I feel pretty good about it. But here's a couple of things. Alabama under Nick Saban, the issues that they've had has been with running quarterbacks. Well, Florida's got two of them. And Emory Jones has has been up and down this year. He's had some interceptions against, you know, South Florida. And so just schools that really – in FAU, schools that they really shouldn't be messing around with a whole lot. So I'm concerned with his accuracy. I think that he understands the offense. I think that he's talented. He has a high ceiling. I don't know if he's built for this kind of a game. I was really looking for Anthony Richardson to be the guy. And let me tell you, Jacob, if Anthony Richardson was 100%, I would probably take Florida with these points because I feel like him coming in is just such a game changer. Um, He had like – 21 miles per hour uh, last week or something on one of his runs, but he has some hamstring issues, um, just tightness, things like that. And what makes him great is his twitchy ability to just run down the field. So I don't think that I feel great about him making a difference in this game. I think that he might be available, but the reason he's great is not his, you know, arm talent and his touch on the ball, things like that. His, his ability is you bring him in and he just runs all over the place and you can't stop him. So I'm worried about that. I think that Bama is going to get to the quarterback early and often. I think that the defensive line, defensive front for Alabama is going to be too much. And I haven't really talked about Bama's offense, but I don't We've really think <laughs> – I don't really think that they're going to get – that Florida's going to get a whole lot of pressure on Bryce Young – and if they do, I think he's going to scramble out and do his thing. I think that this has the potential to get ugly. Um, as much as I feel like it is the most losable game on Alabama's schedule, I also feel like this could be a 28-point game. And I don't really feel nervous saying that. So give me Alabama, lay the 14 and a half. So I'll be honest, my numbers say to pick Florida. Just barely, like Florida by or Bama by thirteen, is like the like the number, and I just I did this once this season with Miami, where I'm like, ooh, numbers are saying Miami can keep it within nineteen, and boy, did they not keep it within nineteen. <laughs> so I, you know, it's it's a general rule of thumb is you just lay the points with Alabama, and then if you're wrong, whatever. Like, like just live with it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'll live with that. And I went against it in game one. I, like all of last year, you know, you and I do some picking the side. It's just like just pick Bama, just pick them, and you'll live with it when you get it wrong. And I went against that in game one. I'm not going to go against that with our second Bama game on here this year. You know, you you mentioned something interesting about quarterbacks who have beaten Nick Saban and Josh Pate actually talked about this this week over at Lake Kick. It's not just running quarterbacks. It's running quarterbacks who are accurate passers because it's not just that they ran all over them. It's that 
they escaped a sack and then threw a ball for 30 yards for a first down on third and 12. Like that's the game breakers that have done that. Like it's been accurate passers. Emory Jones, they've played two subpar opponents to have two touchdowns and four interceptions. And for Dan Mullen to be, I know every coach has coach speak and he's going to talk to the media in a certain way, but like, it's not just, oh, we think Anthony Richardson's like a little bit better than Emory Jones. No, his first two touches this past Saturday were touchdowns, like a pass and a run. And it's, it's, he, he is eye popping off the screen. You and I talked about it when Kyle Trask initially took over was, hey, we think the best quarterback in the roster is actually Anthony Richardson. Like, he's the five-star freshman that came in. And, like, all offseason people were talking about Emory Jones. And you and I are like, yo, Anthony Richardson, like, he, he's, he's the dude. Like, and now he switched numbers. He's wearing 15. That's going to get Florida fans excited. And I think even if he's healthy, if you're messing around with two quarterbacks and you don't have your guy – I get that Emory may know the offense better. Anthony Richardson is special with the ball in his hands. Like at a certain point, you got to put the ball in your best playmaker's hand, especially against a team like Alabama. And you're going to have to pull out all the stops to beat a team like Alabama. And if Richardson's not 100% or if he's not your guy and you're messing around and you like, you know, Emory throws a pick six and now you're bringing Anthony, Anthony Richardson in, it's been nice to bring him in when you have a lead. Yeah. You cannot set him or up. Or if to it's fail. an even score. If it's yeah. Right. I, I if, think I, I agree with you. I just think that I just don't think they're gonna like his whole game, his not his whole game, his value to the game is his legs. And if I mean hamstrings, man, those things they just take a second, you know? I don't like know. I I think this could be a game that could be 17 17 at half and Bama wins like 41 20. Or it's just like they just they just break your spirit. <laughs> like it gets to and, and we talk about this with good teams, all it takes is two plays. They score a touchdown and you fumble on the very next play. And it's like they get the ball in the red zone and two plays later, they're up 14. And it's like what what just happened? Right. Now the crowd's out of it, the crowd's silent, and it's it's game breaking. And Bam is the kind of team that can do that. Like you mentioned, the defensive front's really, really good. So I will not make the mistake I did in week one. I will go against the numbers and say, Bama lays the 14 and a half. It's weird that it's, you know, I don't like 14 and a half because you don't win by, you don't win games by 15, but can they win by 20? Maybe. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, hey, this is a, this is, this is an audience, audience request right here. So South Carolina at Georgia, uh, 7 p.m. kick on what, SEC Network, ESPN. It's on ESPN. ESPN. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. ESPN. Uh, <laughs> Georgia, a 32-point favorite. But last time South Carolina came to Athens, they beat them. But now the head coach that beat them is now on Georgia's sideline and will must champ. So, uh, hey, Shane Beamer's 2-0. What are his chances coming into Athens? Yeah, I – I don't really think he has much of a chance. So as far as the actual <laughs> game itself, I, I do, you know, Georgia's going to win this game. There's a reason it's 32 and a half. <laughs> it's 32. Yeah, it's, it's 32. 32, 32. Spread. Yeah, so, um, you know, Georgia, so far what we've seen through eight quarters of play is zero touchdowns allowed by the defense. Um, yes, they played UAB last this past game, but UAB – we're expecting to, to still have a good season after, you know, 
their opening win against Jacksonville State, what we expect them to do the rest of the year. Um, and then Clemson, of course, I mean, they just scored a bunch of points against South Carolina State. Of course, it's South Carolina State, but Georgia held that team without without a touchdown. So um, this Georgia defense, I mean, I think that most would consider it, if not the best, top two or three in the nation. Um, I don't really I mean, know who you're going to put ahead It's number it one right. in SP+, Plus, just for the record. It's yeah. That's an so, advanced metrics thing, yeah. Um, but that being said, so – I, I don't expect South Carolina to score very much. I don't think they have the, the, the guys to do it. I will say, you know, the, the, the Kevin Harris, you know, um, and was a Quandre white um, has been impressive so far. I think um, is Marshall Lloyd back. Has he played yet? He might be back this week. Okay. So, look. If Marshawn Lloyd is back, I mean, you've got some guys that can make some plays. Dakarion Joyner, who I was actually surprised when Luke Doty went down that Dakarion Joyner didn't, like, move back to quarterback for them to run some sort of, uh, you know, you know, kind of like a Kentucky did a few years ago, just a guy who can throw the ball a little bit because he used to be a quarterback, but he's a great athlete, kind of do that. But he's a pretty good athlete out there, out wide. I really like Josh Van. I've liked him since high school. I uh, saw him play in high school. He's a, a great player there. He's been buried on the depth chart for the past several years. But, um, you know, he's, he's a senior year. He's out there. I think I think he's been a big playmaker so far. Um, I, I, I'm interested to see what he does. The thing is, though, that Georgia, I mean, we got to see what they're going to do offensively as far as quarterback you know, if JT Daniels is healthy, I don't think it matters for this game as far as the result, but you know, that's something we're going to be watching for. Is he healthy? Does he start? Does he play? Is this Stetson Bennett again? You know, if, if he's out there, is he balling out like he did against UAB? Uh, is this offense, you know, as it, as it gets healthier and healthier, um, you're going to start to see a lot of these playmakers show up. Brock Bowers has been amazing so far. Um, it was funny because watching Georgia, you know, that the first week they were, you know, underdogs to Clemson by, you know, three or four points, whatever it was, um, which obviously that's an evenly matched game. That was super intriguing. And then last week against UAB, that point spread started out at 29 points and then just dropped immensely all the way down to, I think, 22 or 21 points, something like that. 22. Yeah. So it was, that's, that's insane to see that much of a drop in a week, but quarterback confusion, not knowing what's going on there. And then, you know, we didn't know if Georgia's offense is going to be explosive. And then they were. And so now it's like, oh, okay, everybody's good. They're healthy. 30-point spread. So um, this one will be interesting. I am going to go ahead and call this the Will Muschamp revenge game. Um, <laughs> I think that Kirby is going to look out for his boy, Will Muschamp. And Will is going to have – he's going to be coaching with a little edge – um, I think that they win this game and I think that they rub it in a little bit. So I think it's going to be a big score. Um, I think we might see a little bit of Luke Doty in this game. If he's, if he's back, they might get him in a little bit. If he's, if he's feeling good, uh, Zeb Nolan might start, which he's kind of, re, you know, returning home. He's Oconee County kid, Oconee County high school. Um, so he's coming back, play a little bit, but Luke Doty could get into this game and then that could start maybe some positive 
you know, trajectory for them the rest of the season. I know they're 2-0, and but they might start doing a little bit more um, and feel a little bit better about themselves. But it's going to be a rough week. I have a legitimate question. This is not meant as a joke. September 27th, all right, that is the Sunday after Georgia plays Vanderbilt. Would you go after or before that date that Georgia's defense gives up its first touchdown? Oof, that's a great – I don't think they give up one to Vanderbilt for sure. The The chance here is South Carolina, and it's – I think that they, they could do some sort of razzle-dazzle, something crazy. Like I said, they got – they got grad assistants playing quarterback. I mean – and there's my – you saw what D.J. Uyangale and some five-star receivers did to Georgia's defense. Right. Three points. <laughs> like, am I trusting that the grad assistant quarterback is going to score the first touchdown against Georgia's defense? No. It would, so it do would I really think, have to be Georgia stepping down, Georgia playing down or something. So let's give them a couple field goals. So then it's – do I think South Carolina can keep Georgia from scoring 35? I also don't think so. So, I'll lay the points here. I, it's just there, – again, there's a reason it's 32. Uh, I like Georgia to score 40. I don't think South Carolina scores a touchdown. Um, UAB had a pretty good defensive line. If Georgia's able to run the ball on Saturday, it's going to be a long night. Like, if they get the run going at all, it's going to be a long night. Because we saw what UAB – you know, the explosive plays from Georgia, I think, are also – it was just good calls by Todd Munkin because – UAB loaded the box and said early on, like, you're going to have to pass to beat us. And two plays later, the 77-yard touchdown. <laughs> so I think UAB helped early with getting the receivers open because they were saying, we're going to stop the run against Georgia. And George, and they're saying Stetson Bennett can't beat us over the top. And <laughs> Stetson Bennett did beat you over the top. Uh, I'm curious to see if JT Daniels plays. Um, I'm curious to see if he does play, if Georgia goes more conservative. I think that would – jeopardize a cover here but you know Stetson Bennett also dealing with an injury if Carson Beck is playing there's some turnover probability there I think that's your best chance at a cover for South Carolina is if Georgia turns the ball over um, in their own territory and South Carolina gets a short field but uh, outside of a crazy turnover game I think Georgia lays the points pretty easy here against South Carolina Saturday night in Athens let's go to the big one Uh, I dressed up for this so if you're watching on YouTube, be sure to subscribe, hit the bell button, get notifications. But wearing my white T-shirt for the whiteout in Happy Valley, uh, I'm glad they're doing this game for the whiteout. Auburn at Penn State. What a fun matchup. It's funny because Auburn will be wearing all white for the whiteout. I've never understood why Penn State didn't doesn't wear white for the whiteout. Anyway, uh, but yeah, Auburn at Penn State. It's reverse the, psychology. <laughs> reverse psychology. Uh, yeah, this is the first SEC team to visit Penn State since Alabama in 2011. And before that, it was like the 1960s or something like that that I saw. So, fun matchup. Penn State is six-point favorite in the whiteout. I – so, I'm trying to go back and forth and trying to understand what I'm seeing so far with these teams because Penn State has been challenged – They obviously played Wisconsin that first week. That was very intriguing matchup. You know, both of them going back and forth, trading blows. And I'm not sure how I feel about 
Auburn because the two teams they've played have basically, you know, it's it's been like a glorified scrimmage for the most part for, for this Auburn offense. Now, Auburn is like number one in uh, offensive efficiency and number one in defense, defensive efficiency from what I saw, uh, yards per play, all that stuff. So, Akron. Um, no, 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 no. I know. Just... It is all it's all out there. Like that's that's what's so difficult is I do think so if Auburn had struggled with those teams, that would tell me more than what they did. What they did was essentially not tell me anything because I'm just like, oh, okay, they're efficient against bad teams. Great. If they're inefficient, then that would tell me, hey, they might be a bad team. But what they've done so far is at least leave the door open to, Hey, we could still be a pretty good team. So, you know, Auburn, I'm, I've been impressed so far with, with Bo Nix in this offense. He hasn't looked uncomfortable again. That has to do with opponent. He hasn't been disrupted, things like that, but he's throwing with timing, which has been an issue in the past. He's throwing, from a single platform without trying to basically Pat Mahomes this thing. He's not Pat Mahomes and he hasn't been, you know, scrambling like crazy. He's running for his life. Again, we'll see when they actually face a defense that can be disruptive. This will be difficult. Auburn going on the road. Now, Jacob, I mean, if I gave you Bo Nix and Sean Clifford, I mean, who are you taking in a big game? It's funny. I did a poll on Twitter, and Bo Nix got more votes. Uh, in a big game, I mean, have either of them – what's the last big game Sean Clifford won? Wisconsin this year? Yeah. Bo Nix beat Alabama. Yeah. So they both kind of got their one win. <laughs> I don't know. who. I, I don't know who's better. <laughs> That's a That's, tough question. Now, granted, there's a lot of stuff around them. I think that – Penn State's the more talented team. They're at home. They should win. Something has me feeling Auburn, all right? And I think that they're going to go up there. They're going to have these no expectations because they're a, you know, first-year head coach. They're kind of playing with house money kind of a kind of feel. And also, you know, low-key, this is a battle of former – Vanderbilt head coaches. So you've got Derek Mason, defensive coordinator for Auburn, going against, you know, James Franklin, the head coach of Penn State. So that's that's a little interesting little side side note. But you know, Mike Bobo running this offense, it's just weird seeing Auburn not run a Gus Malzon on offense. I think it's gonna take some getting used to. Um but I, I'm I'm in on Auburn. Um I like Jahan Dotson for for Penn State, I think he has the big playability. I think he's going to be the guy that if Penn State uh, wins this game, I think he's going to have like 100 yards or at least like, you know, eight catches, something like that, a couple touchdowns. I think he's going to be the big difference maker because I think they're going to have to be explosive to beat Auburn. Um, if they if they play a game like they played against Wisconsin, where it's kind of that, you know, punt, punt, defense, defense, you know, being t- playing tight, running the ball, this is going to play right into Auburn's hand with Tank Bigsby and just that running game because I don't think Auburn wants to throw the ball a whole lot. I think they'd prefer to run it. So um, if that's the case, I think Auburn would be happy to go up there, run the ball, play defense. 
with this game, you know, me not really knowing back and forth, I'm taking these six points with Auburn, and I'm just going to keep it. We'll see. Bo Nix, away from Jordan-Hare Stadium, has completed 54% of his passes for nine touchdowns, 10 interceptions, 10 interceptions, 5.6 yards per attempt, and Auburn is four and five in those nine true road games. It's pronounced Jordan-Hare Stadium, first of it, all? It's Jordan-Hare. Yeah, it is. I'm just... Okay, I was like <laughs> – so – do I trust Bo Nix to do what he hasn't done yet? And not just this isn't going and playing on the road. Well, I was going to name some SEC stadiums. So honestly, those are pretty hostile. Uh, but it's, I was like, is this, this isn't a trip State? to LSU, and all I'm right? Like, this, is... <laughs> I'm like, this isn't Mississippi State, South Carolina. I'm like, actually, those are pretty underrated environments. <laughs> but it's not the whiteout. Like, this is the hostile environment. Everyone has seen the video from 2019 where Michigan calls a timeout on their first play from scrimmage because it was so loud they couldn't even start their first series. So can Auburn go into Happy Valley and win? I think for them to do that, they have to run the ball really well. They have to have these long drives and then you know hit explosive plays. I do expect this to be a lower-scoring game, but I Penn State's been tested. This defense is really, really good. From Penn State, I, I was so impressed with their defense uh, in week one against Wisconsin. The offense has to play better. I think that you're two very comparable teams. I think the lines are right. Uh, I liked it better. This opened up a four and a half with Penn State, and I laid those points. I will lay it with six. It's actually come back down to five <laughs> since, since I picked the six line, but I'll go ahead and lay the six. I think Penn State wins by a touchdown. I like Penn State, like 31-24, somewhere in that range. A little bit lower scoring, but I'll take Penn State in the whiteout. Last game, Arizona State at BYU. BYU coming off of a rivalry game win against Utah, and they are three-and-a-half-point home underdogs to Arizona State. Where are you going with this game, Daniel? Yeah, this this one – so BYU, I was fully intent to just fade them all year because I was thinking, hey, they lost a lot, you know. But last week showed me a lot with them beating Utah – um, but at the same time, Arizona state, they're a team that you and I, I don't want to say we forgot about, but we're basically put them on the side. We said, okay, we'll deal with you when the NCAA deals with you, but we shouldn't, you know, we're already into this season. They're two and oh, looks like so far they're going to be doing the us against the world thing, you know, and, and trying to march through here. We'll see how this goes. Um, I'm interested to watch this game. I just I I really like Kalani Hitaki, um, the the head coach for BYU. I really like what he does, and I think that he's going to make a difference for this team. Them being at home with points, that just seems like the safer bet for me. This game at, at is going to play out. I, I'd be lying if I told you I knew how this game's going to play out. I think we'll learn a lot from this game. Um, for both teams and kind of what their outlooks are for the rest of the season. Obviously, Arizona State looking at what they might do in the Pac-12 South the rest of the year with USC kind of being up in the air after that loss to Stanford, things like that. Um, Arizona State could end up putting themselves in the driver's seat. Utah dropping the game to BYU. So if, if Arizona State comes out of this with a win, then you're really looking at Arizona State as the team to, to beat um, in the Pac-12 South. Now it looks like all roads may lead to Oregon and, you know, 
we'll see what happens there. But uh, BYU um, already impressed with the win that they pulled out with Utah. This would just kind of be another notch in the their cap where you say, okay, they can replicate this after losing a Zach Wilson, after losing a bunch of these guys to the NFL. They can, you know, Braden Christensen, all these guys, they can come back and play another year and, you know, just put put another good product out there, be a solid, solid team. Um, it's close enough though where I'm like a home team getting three and a half. I'll just take it and we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. BYU, I'll I'll take the points. I actually think wrong team favored. I think BYU wins this game. Uh, my numbers say BYU by four. So like a touchdown swing here. They really impressed me against Utah. I know transitive property works a hundred percent of the time, but hundred percent Utah is better than Arizona State. So BYU, I know it's a rivalry win, a little bit weird, but. Uh, BYU's win against Utah was really impressive. And so uh, I'll take that momentum. I think they're trying to prove some teams wrong, you know, after losing their OC, losing a lot of their offense. But to come back, win back to back games against good Pac 12 South opponents will be really impressive. So I will take BYU and the points at home. Home dog. Gotta love it. You can follow him on Twitter at Deep South Daniel. You can follow me on Twitter at Jacob Carnes with a K. That will do it for this edition of The Extra Point. He is Daniel. I am Jacob. See you.